Roll it. Hello, world. Welcome to the Church Mag Podcast, the official podcast of Church Mag, the place for church, tech, creativity, and all things awesome. Look at the clock on the wall. It's time to level up. Welcome to another episode of the Church Mag Podcast. Eric Dye here along with Jeremy Smith, and we have a very special and cool guest today, Phil Oh, see, oh my gosh, I like got mental, like winding up to it. <laughs> Phil Bowdle. Phil wrote uh, a great book, so I've heard. <laughs> uh, look, 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 here's the truth of the matter, Phil, is that if, if Church Marketing Sucks is going to put something out there, I know automatically that it's awesome. But, uh, <laughs> That's good. That's tell, good to hear. Tell us, tell us about this new released newly released book of yours. Yeah. So it's called rethink communication and the subtitle it's, it's a, it's a playbook to clarify and communicate everything for your church. And so honestly, my goal in, in writing this was I wanted to write something that I wish I would have had when I got started in communications in the church. Um, and so it, the, the goal and the desire of this book is really to help under, people understand um, that the old playbook for communications in the church no longer works and um, to help walk through for church leaders and communication leaders um, to help them walk through what a new playbook looks like to clarify and communicate any message in their church. So a huge chunk of the book at the beginning is just really focused on helping um, church leaders and anybody that's communicating a message to understand what looks different now compared to what it looked uh, compared to how it even looked 30 years ago. Um, so I'll walk through the difference of what attendance and engagement um, and attention look like, which all look very different now than they used to. And so as we as we think about things like uh, attendance trends of um, used to be that people would attend church every week. Now they attend maybe every three to four weeks. Um, the, the, the reality that I was seeing in, in many churches and including our own was uh, we can't use the same can't use the same communication playbook now that we that, um, that we used 30 years ago. So it means we need to make some changes. So honestly, I just wanted to be able to dive into this topic and write something super practical to for, for pastors and church leaders and communication leaders to help them navigate this, this giant communication change and help them um, give them some practical resources along the way to, to know how to communicate their message. You know, I just love that that you have taken notice and you you are you are approaching the rear view mirrorism of, you know, what was and comparing it and making connections to what is today. I think that is such an important thing. If, if you're someone who has been around a long time, let's just say it that way, right? Who's full of wisdom, you've seen a lot of things. You're going to be able to pick this up and read it and be able to make a connection and be able to connect the dots so that you can take the knowledge and the understanding that you have had through gaining through, through your experience and being able to make those connections and translations, so to speak, to what is that applicable today? On the flip side, for those that are younger who are getting into this, who don't have that history, what this is going to do is going to equip you to be able to speak to those that do understand that that those questions. So when there is pushback and you're trying to bring somebody along with you in the journey, you have a reference point that you can share with them. No doubt. Yeah, I, th- I mean, it's goodness. I mean, anybody that's watched the church in the last even just five years, I think we've all seen some giant change in how people are connecting with the church and uh, a huge part of the premise of the book is that that if you're passionate about the message of Jesus and, and, and the, um, the message of the church, the reality is we don't have a message problem. We actually have a message delivery problem. Um, and um, what worked before doesn't necessarily work anymore. So, but the issue that we don't need to fix is, is 
um, we don't have to fix anything about our message. We just have to look at a new way of communicating that message. And so, you know, a, a huge part of that, honestly, one of the things that really challenged me as a creative arts pastor at Westridge is once I started to really dive into our statistics and numbers of how often people are attending our church, I was realizing that the average person was attending um, about every every four to six weeks. And at first I'm like, man, goodness, just a few years ago, it was every two to three weeks. Um, and this is a, you know, broad, a broad range of, of, um, of average attendance and stuff. But so I was looking at that and I'm realizing, okay, the, for us as a church, we have about eight to 10 times a year to communicate with that person and um, communicate with that person while they're inside the walls of our church. That's insane to me when you think about it of eight, of eight to 10. And the reality is some of those, it's just one to two. It's are they going to be there at Christmas or Easter? So you, you can complain about that or be frustrated about it all you want. But the reality is for us as church leaders is that what are we going to do with the, the current reality and how can we help point them towards Jesus? So um, that's the I think that's the challenge. But with the, with the cool thing is even though attendance trends are going down and engagement looks very different, the coolest thing about the reality that we are facing in the church right now is we have the greatest tools that we've ever had to connect with people um, outside of the walls of the church. And so we, we have tools that I think the apostles and everybody, if they, if apostle Paul had Twitter, he'd be thinking, how can I leverage this to connect people to Jesus? You know, if, if, so I think we should be doing the same. I think we should be talking about um, how we can connect with people on a Monday morning, just as much as we're talking about um, getting them into our seats on a Sunday morning. And so that's, it's, it can be frustrating because it looks different, but I think, in fact, it's, it's kind of energizing to know that the old playbook doesn't work, but there's a, some new things that we can do that could reach more people than ever before. I think the to some degree with us, you're, you're preaching to the choir because you have two former uh, missionaries in front of you. And I think that the church's mindset of they'll come to us if we build it, they'll come is mm-hmm. it's not working right now. And I feel like that kind of. There's you don't you don't provide I don't think in your book a uh, philosophical or a theological or philosophical argument for why this is the case. You're probably gonna have to go somewhere else to get the full dialogue with that. But the 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 mentality of going to them and to reaching them is a biblical standard. And I think that it's at least between me and Eric, literally that's why church mag exists is so that we can go to you guys so that you guys yeah. can see it where you're at. And I feel like that's kind of the the basics of what you're of your teaching here, but in a very practical way, would that be correct? Yeah. I mean, I think while, um, while there may be, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you the theological reasons why attendance trends are going down and why culture is changing. Sure. But I do know that what Jesus said, he said, go and go and make disciples, um, go and proclaim. And so I think, that he, he told us a why he didn't give us a how. And so when, you know, when, when I'm leading my creative team at, at our church, I mean, our, our goal is to, I mean, we want, we want our services to be awesome. We want them to be engaging and powerful, but I don't want to overlook the, the incredible opportunities we have all week on our website, on social media, on any of our, our digital platforms to be able to go and proclaim the message of Jesus where people are, where they're, where they're living. I mean, mm-hmm. the reality is they're going to be on their phone, on social media, a lot more than they are in your service services. So we're foolish to not, not meet them where we are. And especially for you guys being, you know, missionary, uh, you know, missionary kids. I mean, I, I really wrestled with that concept as well is like, if you were just kind of dropped into our American culture or really any culture today, 
if you were dropped into it without context of, of any kind of pre-existing playbook for how to reach um, a community, you know, without thinking, Oh, of course we're just going to plant a church and reach them. You know, I, I think most people, if you're just, plop down here as a missionary and you saw the the realities and the opportunities we had right now to engage people and go and proclaim, go and make disciples. I think we'd be leaning more towards reusing physical and digital tools, not just physical tools to be able to communicate that message. So that really challenged me to think more as a missionary, you know, a, a digital missionary and a communication missionary, much more so than just a, a promoter of events at a church. I also wonder as far as for just our culture of um, wanting to do more things than just in a building. Um, and that if we're really kind of trying to approach this, especially from a millennial standpoint, I don't know if your book necessarily goes millennial or not millennial, but just the understanding that you can do discipleship in Starbucks. You can um, be able to be witnesses to people while you're at the fair. Um, it doesn't have to be something where you're holding your cross around your neck and having your fake money Bible tracks, but it can be something that's literally you're on social media, um, having a Facebook post about the government issues going on and still be Jesus to people. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, how do you see that from a cultural standpoint now that social media has engaged that? Yeah. I mean, I think it, you know, especially speaking from the, you know, from the millennial side, I do touch on that. And I think, um, I mean, there, social media definitely creates some, some challenges and some, <laughs> some just re- realities that we have to, we have to be aware of as, as a, especially if you're communicating to, uh, as a church. Uh, I, I think where I focus on a little bit in, in, in the book is I think what we're all starving for in the mix of so many different messages that are going on that we're all bombarded by. I'm, I, I learned through this process, there's that, that, that we all receive typically about 10,000 branded messages every single day. And that's insane. The amount of just information that's thrown at us. And so I think in the mix of that is millennials and, and you know, Gen X, whatever you are, I think we're coping with that in a lot of different ways. But I think what we're realizing is that we're, we're all just so hungry for authenticity and we're just all really starving for somebody that actually sees us and cares about us and, and wants it, wants something better for us. And so I think whether you're a, you know, an individual that just has a platform or you're a, a church, um, I, I think people are just count, uh, you're going to stand out if you can authentically want to help people, like authentically want to um, help people grow in their faith or point them towards Jesus or be a light, be a hope in the mix of, of so much darkness right now. I, I think there's a way to stand out in that regardless of your age, but it's a big responsibility as, a, as especially as a church to be able to do that in a space where people aren't always expecting it from a church. There's a lot of baggage that, um, that gets carried into uh, conversations when people know that you're, you're a church. So I think that's a big, big opportunity for church leaders to say is like, how, how do we break those, um, those barriers down that people are experiencing with us so that we can help point them towards Jesus. Eric, from your standpoint, you're kind of one of the things he talks about in the book, I think is uh, that you cut back and then you try to meet the people as far as like their attention spans and whatnot. You're in a little bit of a different place where you're kind of cutting back yourself and just everything. So when he talks about doing this, 
what resonates for you, at least in your own personal life of trying to communicate things well, but also do what you try to do really well, too. Yeah, you know, it's really refreshing to hear, Phil, you say so many of these different things. Um, a couple of things that really stand out to me. The first thing that you mentioned was the authenticity. Um, I think that that is huge. That is something that, that I have noticed that we've talked about, that we've seen not only, you know, the, our church mag, church mag podcast, we've, we've mentioned it, but um, even my family, as we've spoken to one another, one another about these things, that the authenticity is really where it's at. So for you to, to hear you say that that is kind of one of the cornerstones to the approach of being real and being authentic, I think is huge. And I really think makes all the difference, you know, um, being able to, when you're face to face to somebody, being able to put the phone down, right? Um, But when someone is on the phone, for them to encounter messaging and messages of people being real, right? Um, So to hear you say the importance of that really, really is good to hear. You know, the more churches that can, they can, you know, get your book and absorb that and understand that, the better off we're going to be. And not being authentic from a strategic standpoint, but to be mindful and think, back, sit back and think, oh, what does it mean to be authentic? What does it mean to be real, right? Not just to not just as a, as a ploy to be successful, right? Yeah, dead um, on. you're dead on. Because I think authentic is kind of a buzzword right now, the same way storytelling was a buzzword five years ago. And it kind of it quickly loses its meaning. And so it, the way that I've tried to translate that for our, you know, any volunteers or, or people that are a part of our staff team and communications is that I think more in the words of tone of here's the, here's the tone that we want to make sure that we're representing as we communicate back on Facebook messages and comments and just our, our social tone is I, I want to make sure that we're three things. I want to make sure we're helpful. I want to make sure we're passionate and I want to make sure we're curious um, like I want to make sure that we're actually genuinely trying to help people take their next step towards Jesus. Like we're not here to promote stuff. We're here to help people take a next step and, and anything that we can posture ourselves in to do to actually help people. It keeps us hungry to actually be authentically for people not just for what they can do for us. And, you know, and being passionate about it too. I think that's, that's pretty, um, that's authentic if you do it truly, because it, people want to believe in people that believe in what they're doing. And if the, if they can look to the church and say they, they are passionate about what they're about, um, that, that can be contagious and, and it does stand out <laughs> in the crowd. And then the curious piece, I think for us is really important for an authenticity piece because we want to stay curious ourselves as we're communicating about um, communicating with people and connecting with people. We want to get to know them and, and be curious about asking putting more question marks instead of periods in our communication. Um, but we also want to be curious about the things that they're curious about so that we can create authentic communication and connection with them on that. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, the internet has that there is no shortage of quantity. There's plenty of things on the internet, but if there's one thing that is scarce on the internet, um, it is quality. And so I think really that is another thing that you are saying with this is, hey, you know, you're saying you're making the challenge pull back, but you're not saying pull back for the sake of pulling back. You're not saying post less for the sake of posting less. You're saying let's turn down the quantity and turn up the quality again. Really love that. So simple, Mike. It just makes sense, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. But let's let's be honest. Let's be honest. A lot of what is promoted and a lot of what is put out there is about the numbers. It's all about the numbers game. And you know, if you're if you're playing if you're playing those games, then what you are presenting is not is not a quick fix. 
It's not a huge return. It doesn't move fast. It's not flashy. Um, but what you do provide is something that is fundamentally healthy and something that is a marathon and not a sprint. And so, um, you know, it, that, that's another aspect that I really appreciate with what you've done here is it really does kind of run against what has been promoted and has been so popular. Well, I mean, on that, one of the, one of the rants that I go on a little bit in, in the book Oh, let's oh, yeah. hear it, so, Phil. We yeah, like okay. the rant, so you just bring it. All right, you bring the thunder. So, uh, when I what burdens me is when I uh, when I go to a if I am part of a conference or talk to people. Or what what um, what I love is that people are hungry to to do well at their work and do do a good job promoting what they're called to do and all that stuff. That nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with figuring out how to get ten percent more likes on Facebook or how to get your read rates up on on Mailchimp up thirty percent. Like there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But those are all hows and whats. But there's what I find in the church sometimes is that we're we're lacking our why, and um, especially in communication, it, it burdens me when people are more driven by what their tactics are rather than what their mission is. And so, I what I tried to just put out as the last just last call call to action in the book is that at the end of the day, what we're all here to do is to is to put Jesus on display. That's our one job. And if we do that, if we're able to put our attention as we communicate any message, whatever it is, if we just simplify it to say, how can I put Jesus on display and whatever I am communicating at this moment, what we allow ourselves to do is to put our put the burden on Jesus. And it allows us to actually say, like, it allows Jesus to fulfill his promise that um, that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I think sometimes we put that burden on our own shoulders. We're like, oh, no, I've just got to work harder to promote more things and get, market more stuff and get it out. None of that. There's nothing wrong with hard work. But I think if our why isn't about saying, hey, if we can put Jesus on display and allow him to build his church, then we can put our energy on just on focusing on on putting the light on him rather than having to put on the light on us. And then hopefully they'll see Jesus as they come to our events or whatever it is. So I just think we're missing if we can get our why right. It changes how we do our what it changes how we focus on our how and everything beyond that. Um, So if we can figure that out, especially as like millennials and and young communicators um, and and people with influence, it will, it changes things, you know, when we, when we stop focusing so much just on, on the what's and we really just put Jesus on display in what we're doing and it simplifies so many other things. And to be clear, Eric is not even close to being a millennial. Easy cowboy. Easy. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Sorry. sorry, Let me, so, so I guess what you're Mm -hmm. saying is this is like a WWJP thing. Like what would Jesus post? <laughs> I'm saying when from from <laughs> sure there there maybe there may be that level. Look, 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 I'm just trying to make a joke here. You don't have to either. Here, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to make a joke here. Just bring the serious on you. I mean, seriously, for me, so in my in my primary calling and what I get to do as a creative arts pastor, um, my role is to oversee our our worship, our production, our video, and our communication. Every one of those teams is very different. Every volunteer that's serving on our on those teams has a very different set of skills. The stage manager or the person that's helping run sound has a very different set of skills and a very different, you know, different wiring than the singer that's been singing their whole life. And, and 
um, loves to be part of our worship team. But what unifies every single one of us is whatever we are doing, if we can focus on putting Jesus on display, everything else figures itself out. Um, and so if we're looking at our videos and we're saying, how do we make this look cooler? Um, I don't think that gets us very far because if people say, oh man, that video is cool, but it didn't point them towards Jesus, then we're not, then we made a cool video, but it didn't fulfill our purpose at all. But if we can create a, you know, tell a story of somebody getting plugged into our church or, um, you know, taking a step in a small group and experiencing life change or whatever it is, and just help put Jesus on display through their story, then it changes everything. Then it's, then the tactics and all that stuff are cool. It's part of it, but it's not our why. Um, and our why is what we're pointing our, our message to and that. So anyway, that's, that's my rant. <laughs> Do you say you maybe have a unique set of skills and if you need to, you will find them. Uh, explain what you mean by that. I I like to do these little puns where see if people can pick up on the thing. It's from a movie. <laughs> I don't think I can pick up on <laughs> no, that. No, no, no. You don't. It's okay, you. Phil. I never get a meter. I never get a meter. <laughs> I love it. I'll, I'll be honest, Eric, and you can cut all that out except for the pun part. Um, but I, every single time I've done that, somebody has messaged me like, I got it, dude. I got it. Yeah. If it was a friend's quote or from Seinfeld, I'm, I'd be hundred percent there with you. Yeah. You'd be so there. there but... You'd be so there. Yeah. It's from, do you know the movie Taken? Have you heard of that movie? Oh, the Liam really? Neeson movie? Really, yeah. Jeremy? No, I, I'm going to explain it for him. I'm not going to explain it. I thought once, like every really, good person should, and it's not a movie that you, you... I've never seen that as a quotable movie in the future, but maybe I've missed something. Right? Like, I could see, like, there's certain quotable <laughs> movies. Like, like off the top of my head, there's several. I'm not going to name them, all right? I don't want anybody to think I'm promoting things. I don't know, but I'm just saying, like, there, there's quotable movies. Jeremy, Taken... Is should not be on any <laughs> lists of quotable movies. It's on my list is because it shouldn't be on a list. Makes no sense. He's just no talking sense. about authentic communication. You want to keep it real, Jeremy? If there was like a top 100 list of quotable movies, that one would not be on the list. It wouldn't even be up for consideration. Bottom eight. <laughs> That's a whole different podcast, right there. <laughs> really, seriously, what are good quotable? Mo- well, you know, All right, let's maybe. Who knows? So, Phil, if people want to check this out, if we've at least not driven them away, this want <laughs> want. It sounds like it should be required reading. I, I'll be honest; I've seen people do these for required readings for seminary. So, if people want to, where do they get it? How do they get it now that it is finally available to the public? Yeah, you can go to rethinkcommunicationbook dot com, um, where you can get the links to Amazon and um, you know Nook and iBooks and all that stuff. Um, if you're like most people, just re- just go to re- search Rethink Communication on Amazon and it should pop up uh, as well. So that's the best, best and quickest way to get that. I did write it in a way to try to be um, applicable for a group read, for a team meeting, for um, or you know, small staff, or or whatever that is too. So if if that's where you um, if that's your situation, then make sure you go to rethinkcommunicationbook.com, and we do have some some really good group rates for that, just to encourage um, people to be able to take uh, to participate with that book as a team. Yeah. So what Phil's saying is buy as many copies as you can, because people should be reading this stuff. Like, okay, question. Let's say you have lots of friends that you know should be reading this. Like you're part of a Facebook group, like the church communications group. Let's say you're part of that group and you're like, you know what? I know like a couple dozen people that should read this book. Could they do the, could they do the discount thing and be like, Hey, can you hook up the Facebook group? 
I would absolutely be anything I can do to help church communicators. I'm all in for sure. You hear that? That's yes. Phil's heart right there. Hey, right I there. actually put my cell phone number in the, in the book. So, Oh snap. Um, yeah. So if you, if that you alone that, is that, that alone is worth the price of admission. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> no, seriously, my heart is, I, I mean, people, anybody that's done books knows it, it's not about money. You don't really make money off of books. Um, my oh, heart. Oh yeah. We know. Yeah. We know. <laughs> I'm sure you do. So you don't make um, any money. So, it, honestly, my heart really is I, I, like I when I got started in church communication and I mean, I, I grew I'm a PK. I've grown up in the church. And for a lot of years, I thought the last thing in the world I want to do is is work in a church. That's not a creative place. That's not a place where I want to you know, pour the the passions that God's given me into. And God changed changed my life, you know, in that way and changed the, the direction of my calling. And so more than anything, like I just I want to I wanted to put something out there that's going to be a life raft for people that are, are overwhelmed or not knowing how to figure out, you know, what their current context is in their church and, and, and not, not sure what to do. I just want to try to provide a playbook for that. So whether that's find the book or shooting me an email or helping me find another resource that's better for you. Um, anything I can do that would help, uh, help church leaders out there. I'm in. Awesome. Phil Bodel, the author of rethinking your church communication, get the book now before it's too late. Supplies run out. Wait, what? No, seriously, go get it. Um, Phil's got a great heart as you can hear, uh, from, from the interview here. And, uh, you know, throwing down fundamentals that that no matter no matter the year, no matter what the trend, no matter the, the Google analytics, no matter the Facebook algorithm at the time, no matter whether you're doing this digitally or face to face in an analog realm or the, the, the sign out by the out by the curb there. Um, you follow these fundamentals, you take what Phil's written to heart and it's going to be a win. Send us an email, subscribe, and search for previous episodes of the Church Mag podcast by visiting Church Mag online. You'll find a link on our main menu. Go to churchm.ag. That's Church Mag. And while you're visiting Church Mag, send us a message. And be sure to subscribe to the Church Mag podcast so you can receive an early release of the new show every Friday. We don't do that for just anyone. Hey, I forgot to put in the email that none of neither of us have read the article or the book. Um, oh, the person that's doing the review <laughs> um, isn't on here, but okay. we have a little bit of time. We can so still talk about it. In All good. Hey, you are just like the average podcast person anyway. Of Most most people don't read them anyway, too. Well, so here's, it's, here's it's the difference. Good. Here's the difference with us, Phil, is that we actually say we didn't read it. We're not going to BS you and be like, hey, that was a great book. We yeah, that particularly... first chapter, that introduction, I really, right. really enjoyed. The back of the book, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I actually had someone that asked me to do a review and just to read the first chapter and write an excerpt for it. I'm like, mm, well, no, I think I'm going to read the whole thing. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> and it was a, it was a dissertation it. too. It was like a oh, page dissertation. And like, That's a big okay. warning sign. It was a, it was a big deal. Like uh, I had to take an entire weekend to read that thing. Unreal. Yeah, I wrote my well, dissertation on ethics, and we're wondering if you could just read, you know, like the first paragraph and write an excerpt on it, maybe. <laughs> oh man, well I, I appreciate the honesty, guys. It's all good. It did just come out like today, so I'm not. You know, it, it, it's funny to hear, like it, you know, you, you can't get too hyped up about the buzz buzz of a book when you know most people haven't actually read it yet so sure. uh, no no worries at all we can Very certainly true. talk about a number of things Phil, if 
if one would read your name, it might mm-hmm. be a particular way. But if one were to speak your name, <laughs> what might it be? Yes, it's Bowdle. Not uh, so. Not Bodle. It's Bowdle. Bowdle. Uh, like you're taking the legacy of doing it wrong, so <laughs> I will call him out on it, and it will be awkward. Just yeah, like, yeah, that typically ha- it's, it's not unusual, so don't sweat it. Well, I mean, Jeremy's okay. name is Jeremy Smith. It's hard to I'm get that one. Wrong. It's hard to screw that one up. Yeah, right? that's the best part. Jeremy Smythe. I like that. Yeah, Jeremy Smythe. <laughs> that's so good. Love it. Love it. I should do that's that sometime, good. Jeremy. You would. I would. All right, so when do we record part two just to talk movie quotes? <laughs> do, not tell me. do not tell me. I will. I want to go here, but I was going to say if you if I could if we could spend thirty minutes just doing dumb and dumber quotes, I, I'd be all in because I can totally redeem yourself. Yes, yes. <laughs> I would just say, just go, man, just go. But you know, I, all day I could do that one all day. That's one of the. If you would give me one of those, I'd be like, yes, I'm right there with you, man. But taken that threw, that threw me off. I'll, no, I'll right? Like, no. I don't. There, I don't. I cannot speak for this man. Why? You should just wait. If you ever go back and listen to some of the old podcasts, there's just they're all obscure. Like I did. Uh, Eric doesn't know this, but one of them was, uh, "What's the Disney movie of We're All in This Together?" What's that? I don't know. You did it. I had to edit I, out I my cluelessness. <laughs> but it's just like Disney movies or like um, straight to DVD. I I just did them all, and Eric never catches on. Nice. It's because so they're so obscure. No, uh, seriously though, Phil. Um, let's see if we can have you on, and we can do a podcast like, um, uh, like tackling the concept of using uh, movie quotes or movie clips in your sermons. Because I think some people struggle with that. Bring it. Sure. Well, so, anything you want to talk about, I'm ready. And we'll drop quotes and all that kind of fancy. <laughs> here's, the, here's how to use a movie other than Passion of the Christ in, in your show. Oh, yeah, my gosh. Fable Life's a big one, too, right? How, how you should never use quotes from Taken. Yeah. That would be a good place to start. Your, your next Saran series, Taken. <laughs> Taken. Easter 2019. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> naming naming okay. sermon series after movies. Yeah. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. Yeah. 